You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. What up, 12s? This is Michael Bumpus, Hawk Talk, the recap edition. The Hawks go down to Atlanta and beat the Falcons 27-20. First half was great. Second half, not so much, but we got some things to talk about like we have in the past. We got Big Ray on the phone. How you doing, Big Ray? I'm chilling like a villain, bud. How you doing? You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to make it, Ray. Trying to make it, baby. (laughs) Hey, so let's get right into it. So what did you see out of that offensive line in the first half, and then what did you see from the line in the second half? Well, the thing is, is that in the first half, uh, there is no doubt that our the scheme that we have, the running backs we have, the offensive linemen that we have, uh, it all worked. I mean, they dominated the line of scrimmage. There was space for Chris Carson and for um, Rashard Penny to, to make yards and, and look really good doing it. And then in the second half, uh, for the second week in a row, it seems like the, the run game was shut down. And after the game, uh, Dwayne Brown kind of blamed intensity level uh, coming out of the second half, and Pete Carroll kind of blamed himself and schemes, and I agree with both of them. I, I think if uh, uh, some of the, the intensity level was, was out of the Seahawks in the offensive line, I think that the scheme, uh, Atlanta made some adjustments uh, and was playing a little bit faster and more aggressively than the Seahawks. And so, you know, I've been on teams before where they practice coming out of the second half, and so maybe uh, that's something that the Seahawks should do because there's no reason that there should be negative eight yards in the third quarter, only 18 plays in the second half uh, for an offense that was rolling so so well uh, in the first half. Yeah. Uh, so Justin Britt goes down with an ACL tear is what we're hearing. Do you think Joey Hunt has what it takes to lead the charge going forward? I think Joey Hunt has has the ability to, to hold it down in the middle if the guards are, are having spectacular play, whether that's Yupati or Jones or, or – uh, 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 DJ Fluker, they have to be really playing at the top of their game because he's an undersized guy. Uh, he gives you great effort. He's smart. He makes sure people are in the right places, but he can be uh, overpowered at times. And so uh, I know that Jamarco Jones uh, took some reps at center last week, and so I'm not sure if that's something that they're considering because there's a lot to learn with the communication part of it. But uh, but there is going to be, uh, some, some, I think, a little downshift in play at that position until they figure it out. And then speaking of Jamarco Jones, uh, I just came up with a new nickname for him the other day, yesterday, and it was called The Truth. This dude came in at left tackle, at left guard uh, when Yupati was out for a little while, and he looked just as smooth at left guard as he did at right guard. And like I said, he came, he was drafted as an offensive tackle and out of Ohio State, and then uh, he took reps at center. And so this dude is, is a bona fide uh, full-time starter in this league. It's just a matter of time. Uh, before he before he's inserted uh, full time, with the addition of addition of Demarco Jones and uh, Dwayne Brown being hurt coming in and out, Flukers spending some time out. Do you think we've seen the potential of this offensive line yet? Have they played their best football yet? I don't think we've seen the potential of it as re- as it relates to like the entire game. So uh, so like I said, the last two games in the first half, I mean, they look like one of like they're back to the form they were at the end of last season. They look like they're one of the top you know, uh, offensive lines in the run game, especially in the NFL. 
Uh, but then the way that they responded in the second half uh, makes you then go like, well, then what's going on? Like, is it really truly an intensity thing? Is it really truly a scheme thing? And to me, I, I really think that it's somewhere in the middle or a combination of both of those things. And so uh, even with, you know, I think Jamarco Jones to me has been like, like people are sleeping on it because of everything that Russell does. But that dude has been in the MVP conversation for this offense because he's filled in gaps and holes uh, with such efficiency that you don't even realize that that person is out. So I think, you know, a combination of Fluker, Jamarco Jones, and you potty at those guard spots, and then uh, a healthy Dwayne Brown and Jermaine Effetti, if if they can get one complete game together, then the, the sky's the limit for this offense. Yeah, Jamarco Jones is uh, doing his thing in multiple positions. So it seems like everyone's chasing the 49ers right now. They're 7-0, and 6-0. Um, they're looking at it. We're, they're looking at everybody in the rearview mirror. What do the Hawks have to do to keep up with these guys? You know, to me, it's, it's like what or offensively, it's what we've just been talking about. Just really been uh, having a consistent uh, output for the entire game. I mean, you only had 18 plays in the second half. You can't impose your will or or, uh, or physicality on another team within 18 plays, and that gives Russell Wilson less plays to, to work his magic with Tyler Lockett. And then you know, you look at. DJ Metcalf, who's coming on at the midpoint of the season, he has uh, 22 catches, 402 yards, and four touchdowns, which isn't bad. So you get more opportunities to get him the ball. And then defensively, uh, we've kind of been in that bend but don't break mode. We haven't connected our pass rush with our coverage, uh, and we've done pretty good in the run game at times. So it's two sides of the ball that haven't really put together a complete game yet, which is good in a sense because we're 6-2 and two with that formula. And uh, But it makes it a little scary. But you know that this team has always played better down the stretch. They get better after the halfway point. I think Pete Carroll said uh, this this is the beginning of the end of the season, and this is when they kind of lock in and get better. The other thing to not uh, to take into notice, too, was that uh, Michael Dixon had a Michael Dixon-type stat, stat line yesterday. He had four punts for average 49 yards and three inside the 20 with the longer 58. That's going to also help flip the field and help the defense better. So all of that stuff starts to get connected the second half of the season, and I still have my money on the Seahawks. I know the, the, the 49ers are playing well and they're undefeated. Uh, they're getting a lot of sacks and turnovers and things, but uh, I just really feel like the Seahawks are good at playing really tight games. Uh, they have more guys that are experienced at that, and uh, and I still, I still have my money on the Seahawks down the stretch. All right, one more question for you, Ray. I heard Danny O'Neill ask Brock Hewitt this question. I'm going to ask you this question. Would you rather be – the best four and four team or the worst six and two team? Man, I'm taking wins every time, bro. Like <laughs> six and two is six and two. You know what I'm saying? And so if you, if you, you know, the, you know, on our show, we're always saying like, you know, what does that project to? That projects to a, a, a 12 and four season. A four and four team projects to an, to an eight and eight season. So 12 and four beats eight and eight all day and twice on Sunday. So I'm going, I'm going with the six and two. Uh, I'm not one of those dudes that's going to complain about uh, what the Seahawks are not. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna celebrate what they are. A, a wise man once said, "You play to win the game," <laughs> and, and and the Seahawks left Atlanta uh, with the victory under their wings. And so they're six and two at the midway point, uh, with a chance to to you know to start the second half of the season, uh, you know you know, behind the the 49ers, but in a position to control their destiny. And so I I take that all day twice on Sunday. I'm with you. It's all about the W's, Big Ray. Well, thanks yes, again sir. for joining us. Well, I'm sure we'll t we'll talk again here soon next week. You have a good one, man.
You too, brother. Peace. All right, we're going to move into our main takeaways. What do we learn from this game? The Seahawks start the season four and on the road. First time since 1980 and are 6-2 for the first time since 2005. Nass, I wasn't born in 1980. Neither was I. <laughs> Far from it. Far from it. But, hey, 4-0 4-0, 6-2. Ray touched on it to, to end that little interview is wins are wins, man. That's going to be – I think that's the theme of this podcast is that wins are wins, and you cannot be upset with a 6-2 and two record. Can't. You just can't. I, I, I cannot fathom the negativity around this team when we are 6-2. and two. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me. I feel like we're six and two. Um, we're second in the division. We're playing behind the 49ers, who really haven't played too many good uh, too many good teams yet. So uh, the future is bright. I'm with you there. All right. So the game was a tell of two halves. First half, 24-0. Offense is clicking. Boom, boom. Moving the ball. Defense is balling. Second half, seems like we can't get a first down. Schaub is throwing the ball everywhere. It's a little disappointing, but end of the day, we got to win. Can't be too mad at that. Uh, the Seahawks got back to what they do best. They run the ball. They were able to get 151 yards on the ground. Chris Carson is the catalyst to this thing. They had a tough 90 yards over the Falcons DB. Every time he got a chance, he was lowering the shoulder and bringing pain to the game. I love the way he runs the rock. Chris Carson, man, you, you watch that dude because we've talked about this all through the season. Now everyone knows he can run you over. Yep. Everyone knows that. But now he's adding a little shiftiness to hold juke you. So now as a DB coming up, you have no idea if he's going to run you over or if he's going to juke you. But here's my only thing. Listen, Chris Carson is never going to step out of bounds <laughs> near the sideline. It's a PSA to all DBs, and this happening against the Falcons on Sunday. Third and three for Russ. Hands to Carson. He's got the first down. Stiff arms a man inside the 35. Spins out of a tackle 30. 25. Pounds a defensive back and is knocked out of bounds at the Atlanta 20. Sheffield was the guy who got nailed. A 19-yard gain by Chris Carson. Woo! They don't, they don't pay DBs enough to try to tackle that man. No, they don't. And if I'm coming from space, I'm coming down from a secondary position from 10, 15 yards away, and this man has a full head of speed and is coming north and south at me, good luck. Yeah, I, I'm chopping him down. I'm going, I'm going ankles, <laughs> baby. <laughs> ankles all day. On, on the sad note, the Hawks likely use Justin Britt for the season with an ACL injury. We saw it. It was kind of a non-contact deal. Sucks for, Jay, uh, for Britt. Hey, keep your head up. He still came out of the locker room, man. He's dapping his boys up. He's waiting for him after the game into the locker room. Uh, I follow him on Twitter. I saw a lot of the Chris Carson reached out, Russell Wilson reached out. Um, a huge loss for this team, but his presence will still be felt in this building. Yeah, he once he moved to center, he really became a leader in that room. It was a really young offensive line group, and he stood, he stepped up and really kind of took control. And then you added Dwayne Brown, you added a, a Fuker, you added Upati. So the leadership is there. Justin Britt still got his hands all over this offensive line, and I think his leadership is not going to go anywhere. Last takeaway. At the end of the day, there's no style points in the NFL. Wins are wins. Just like Big Ray said, the Hawks are 6-2. and two. Stop all the negativity. Let's ride, baby. All right, we're going to move into the top performers now. We've got to talk about Russell Wilson. Another efficient day. 14 of 20 for 182 yards, two touchdowns. So now Russell Wilson joins Drew Brees as the only player since 1970 to throw 17 touchdowns and one interception or fewer in the first eight games of the season. This guy is efficient. He's like a surgeon out there, Nash. I mean, it's 
Every single week I put this rundown together, there is notes about Russell Wilson, and it's always something like, Russell Wilson is the first quarterback since blank, or since the merger to do XYZ every single week, and it just shows you the class he's in this early into his career. Yeah, and I think this week kind of got him back on the national stage for the MVP race. People are quick to jump ship, didn't have the greatest game last week, came back this week, two touchdowns, no reception, interceptions, playing efficient football. Um also, DK Metcalf, three catches, 13 yards, but two touchdowns. Could have had three, but uh, he dropped one. But he's looking good with two TDs in the first half versus the Falcons. DK Metcalf became the first Seahawks rookie with two receiving touchdowns in the first half since week 11, 2015, versus San Francisco 49ers. That was his boy, Tyler Lockett, doing it. So, hey, we got, we got two. I think we have a number two receiver at this point in the season. We, we talked about a little bit earlier on the postgame show. I mean, right now, Metcalf has 23, 23 receptions, 402 yards, and four touchdowns. You multiply that by two, he's going to have over 800 yards, eight touchdowns. And a lot of people, myself included, didn't want to set the expectations sky high for this yeah. guy because you know, obviously, you played receiver in the NFL. It's hard to adjust. It is hard to adjust coming from the college game. You're seeing defenses you've never seen before. And he is without a doubt emerged and completely blown out any expectations I had for him coming in. Yeah, we spoke to Pete Carroll today, and he said he has seeded expectations. You know, he said he didn't think that he'd be able to adjust this quickly. He, loved, he loves what he's doing, and he's becoming a route runner. He ran a double move the other day. I don't think I've ever seen him run a double move, and it looked clean. DK Metcalf, keep doing your thing. Also, Tyler Lockett. Six receptions for 100 yards. He was targeted six times, six catches, 100 yards, and some tough catches. He makes big boy catches in a, in a, in a small guy's body. It doesn't – you look at it, it does not make sense. He is not a big guy. He's, he'll be completely covered two separate times on Sunday. He was completely covered. DB could not have been in a better position, but he'll make a catch with one hand. If there's just something about – maybe you can speak to this, how he – can get separation at the last second where he is covered, but when it's Tyler Lockett, he's always open. He makes me go against almost everything I teach as a receiver. The way he catches the ball isn't conventional. Like I tell my guys to turn your hands over, attack the football, but he has a way of shielding off defenders and letting it cradle right down into into his hands, which is amazing. Being Having a smaller body, usually mm-hmm. you see big bodies do that. You can post up, um, but being like 5'10", 5'11", he's still getting done. I love watching this guy play, and he's a good dude. Marquise Blair, in his second career start, he had 11 tackles and a huge force fumble to stop the Falcons short of the goal line. Hey, this dude's coming downhill. Now, he missed a couple tackles, but he's coming downhill, and he's trying to smack you. He brings an intensity that I think this defense has been missing. Absolutely. I mean, all Seahawks fans know we had the Legion of Boom, and we had two guys back there, especially in Cam Chancellor, the enforcer. You, you had to know where number 31 was at all times, especially if you're playing wide receiver. Marquise Blair now, not the same body type, but, man, he's still a thumper. Like, you look at him, you don't, he didn't seem like a huge guy, but <laughs> don't get it twisted. He's going to bring the noise. He's coming downhill, and now with the addition of Diggs, I want to see what that looks like with those two back there because they kind of have the same playing style. Diggs is a little thicker. Um, but they both play with intensity, fly downhill. I'm interested to see what happens there, and you still got Tedrick. Don't sleep on Tedrick and McDougal. This, this safety position is deep right now. Now all of a sudden we got depth, and there's times, you know, they can have formations where they got three safeties on the field. They've done it before, and if you, they used to, some people call it big nickel, whatever you want to call it, but if you have another safety on the field that helps you in the run game, it could be interesting with all those guys back there. And not to mention Lano Hill still back there as mm-hmm. well once he gets healthy. Man, that, they're deep back there. We cannot – go through this podcast and not talk about Bobby Wagner. With two tackles on the Falcons opening drive, Bobby Wagner became the franchise all-time leading tackler, passing Eugene Robinson 
With six tackles in a game, he now has 989 for his career. He also picked up his eighth fumble recovery. This guy's everywhere. You hear Pete talk about him. He says it's his worth ethic. It doesn't surprise him that he's here so early. And by the time he's done, no one's touching this record for a very long time. No, I mean, (laughs) whoever that person might be, I promise you, is not born. (laughs) <laughs> it's not on this not walking this planet right now not even a, a thought <laughs> he's not bored i love it teammate kj wright total 10 tackles and moves into fourth place on the all-time list with 784 passing joe nash this has to be the best linebacker duo in seahawk history oh, it, I, I don't i don't think it's close i mean we've had some really good linebackers but it's the level of consistency year in and year out and the production from them that's unmatched. And they're both just solid people. Oh, yeah. All right, we're going to go to the receiver roundup. Like mentioned, Tyler Lockett has six catches for 100 yards off of six targets. David Moore had a catch. One catch for 23, but it was a nice 23. It was a nice little yak. He ran a hitch, made a guy miss, puts his foot in the ground, shakes a bit, gets up field, shows his explosiveness. Malik Turner also had a nice little running catch, one catch for 21 yards. Jacob Hollister, the tight end, the, hopefully the replacement for Disley, had two catches for 18. Like mentioned, DK had three catches, only 13 yards, but two huge touchdowns. Luke Wilson always gets a catch, it seems like. He's going to get at least one, one for seven. Chris Carson had no targets. That's the receiver roundup for you there. So now, moving into Coach's Corner, we're going to talk about one of DK Metcalf's touchdown. It was second and goal on the Atlanta fourth. This is how it went down. Metcalf and Lockett in a tight slot on the left side. Quick snap to Russell, who's going to throw inside. Touchdown, Seahawks! DK Metcalf. Hawks got right up to the line of scrimmage. Quick snap count by Russell and Metcalf was right in the middle of the field all by his lonesome from four yards out. The Seahawks lead the Falcons 9-0. That's a great job by Russell Wilson. I always think of Aaron Rodgers when mm-hmm. when players are, or teams do this, that hurry up, the defense is ready. Aaron Rodgers does it all the time. A great adjustment by DK Metcalf. I talked to Pete. He said he was on a stick right. He could have went left, could have went right. Um, Russell got to the line, hurried him up. Just a savvy veteran MVP-type play right there. Well, and you look at it, and, and Russell's uh, – second, the official walks away, you have about four or five defensive linemen for the Falcons standing up, standing straight up, not in the stance. The secondary's kind of looking around, what's the call? And you, like you said, just the savvy nature to be like, okay, we got something. And DK, as a young guy, to not just run the route he was supposed to run, to adjust on the fly, get open, and Russell finds him. Easy money, like taking candy from a baby, like taking a yes, pacifier, sir. right? DK with a pacifier. <laughs> hey, there we hey. go. All right, the best thing we saw, the Seahawks once again did what they do and improved to 4-0 on the road. Also improved to an NFL record 54-0 when leading by four or more at halftime. Imagine, so 54-0 leading by four, 7-0 when the opposing quarterback throws for 400 yards. So I just say we let them throw for 400, <laughs> go up by four at the half, and we're good to go automatically. We're never going to lose a game. We're never, never going to lose never a game. Never lose a game. Only three NFC teams have a better record than the Seahawks. The 49ers were undefeated, the Packers, and the Saints. Six and two on to the next. I like where we're going. we got the Bucks coming into town next week. That is it, folks. This is Michael Bumpus with my guy, my producer, Nash Choby. That's the Seahawks. Recap edition, the Hawks win 27-20 down to ATL. We'll see you next time.